Good morning. We are only a few days away from Christmas. My name is Nathan Hinkle and I'm the lead pastor here at White Oak. And I'm really glad that you are celebrating with us today. We are in a really important series that we've been calling Hope Starts Here. And we've come to recognize this season is um, that for so many of us, we're deferring hope and waiting to experience it next year when we can get the horrors and the disappointment of 2020 behind us. But what we realize is that hope is not something reserved for when life is going better. It's here and it's now. And when we experience the hope of God, it captures and transforms our hearts and it captures the attention of those around us as well. Now you may know the classic seasonal favorite, the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. In the movie, George Bailey is a kind and generous man who is sick of a seemingly unsuccessful life in this small town. And after a financial loss threatens him with jail and the collapse of his business, he contemplates taking his own life. When an angel appears to take and save George and show him what life in Bedford Falls would have been like if he had never been born. Now at the end of the movie, George is finally transported back to present day and he gets a new view of his life and a hope that not only changes his view, but those that he will impact around him as well. Check out this iconic clip showing this change. For a person who has had a near-death experience, something changes inside of their mind. Uh, some people call it like an awakening or a realization of how short this life can be. But after these moments, they never look at life the same way again. They have a renewed zeal for relationships or they see things they've never experienced before or have a, this change that they want to tell other people about how important it is to savor the days that you have. For them, the hope of tomorrow is so important because they nearly lost the chance of experiencing it. Now, this is what we lean into today. Good news is news worth sharing. Now, most of us probably have never had a near-death experience, something so drastic that it gave you a renewed view and hope. But you probably have had, however, experiences where you felt that things were just about as bad as they could get. Maybe a relationship or a marriage you invested in that was lost or broken. Maybe it's a dream you had that was shattered and it was never going to be realized. Maybe it was a, a, a job lost or an argument or, or a rejection or loneliness that left you feeling empty and, and hopeless. Maybe a desire for your life to go a certain way and each day it seems like it goes the opposite direction. Maybe it's your relationship with God and, and maybe it's just boring or it's inactive this time uh, that, the same that it was last year and you're wondering if your faith is just wasted. Maybe it's stress and anxiety, which feels like a new pressure each morning. Even though last week we talked about how God's mercies and hope are new every morning, your focus is only on darkness. And it would be nice to have a George Bailey experience, like, you know, like that, but that's just in the movies. And it doesn't really seem to play out that way in real life. 
So Luke wrote a narrative of Jesus' life and tells us of the announcement of Jesus' birth to a group of shepherds. And we find it in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Okay, allow me to help paint a picture for you of what's really going on here. Shepherds in the ancient world were in one of the lowest social class groups. So for instance, like no one aspired for their boys to grow up to herd sheep, all right? And other than the occasional wolf, trying to sneak in a midnight snack from the sheep, the job of a shepherd was mostly boring, long, lonely nights. So when an angel appears in the night sky, these guys are, are shaken to their core. Whenever the glory of God appeared to someone in scripture, it's not something people pulled out their phones like to capture and they didn't get all giddy about including it in a snap to their friends. Like this was something that was absolutely terrifying. Now, Isaiah was a prophet in the Old Testament of the Bible and he lived about 900 years before Jesus. He said um, this when he had a similar encounter. Then I said, it's all over. I am doomed for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. And that's found in Isaiah chapter six. You see, he thought he was gonna die, all right? It was too bold, too powerful. What he saw was too frightening. And surely he believed any human being who saw that much of God's glory couldn't live to tell about it. So the angel which visits the shepherds delivers his message concerning Jesus's birth. And then something even more terrifying happens to light up this mundane and average evening which these men were having just moments before. So Luke tells us that a vast host of angels appears. Now the word used in the Greek is stratia, literally meaning armies. So these weren't these beautiful women with wings or these chubby, creepy babies with harps. Like these are warriors who could have with one motion of their hand end the lives of these shepherds. So these shepherds see the armies of heaven appear in the sky above and they think surely we're going to die. This was uh, it for them, right? There was no hope. It was over. But that's not what happened. And Luke tells us that's not what happened. 
Instead of doom, they receive what Luke says is great news. The angels say, great news that will lead to your joy. Now, we all love to get great news. And when we experience something great in our lives, we typically get really excited to share it with someone else. And social media has allowed us to celebrate and share more and faster than ever before. So you see people sharing all the time. You do this, vacation spots, family photos, even snapping pictures of really good food you're eating in the moment, or this exciting place or experience you've had. And you have to post it and you have to talk about it because it doesn't even seem anymore like it's complete or real until you tell someone about it and show them a picture. Now remember, good news is news worth sharing. And thousands of years ago, one of the world's most famous kings, he asked God a question. And I wonder if you've ever asked a similar question. This is what he said. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. And that is found in the Old Testament of our Bible in Psalm chapter 8. And I don't know what it takes for you to pause in awe and wonder and marvel at the power and the mystery of God. What is it that just like captures you in a moment of awe? Maybe it's holding a, a, a newborn baby. Maybe for you, it's the ocean waves that just continuously roll towards the shore. Maybe like for me, it's the majesty of towering mountains. Maybe it's just something simple like the wind that just blows through the trees or a slow moving stream. And maybe like King David, who was Israel's king hundreds of years before Jesus was born, what is it that you experience which captivates you in that powerful and special way? When you and I experience something great, there are two things that just stir in our minds and our hearts. The first one is this. We have a deep sense of awe. And what I mean by a deep sense of awe is that we cannot look at the marvels of creation and the work of God's hand and remain unmoved. I mean, we're moved by it. It does something in our souls. There's a, for a moment in time, we are captivated by our own smallness and, and the grandness of things that we don't quite understand. For a moment, we are okay with the mystery of things and simply able to enjoy taking in the experience of them. The English author and theologian C.S. Lewis, he was the writer of the Chronicles of Narnia, maybe you're familiar with those. He said that praise does more than just express enjoyment. It actually completes enjoyment. Now, the second thing which um, this stirring does in our minds and hearts when we have one of these experiences is that it, and there's this intrinsic need to tell, an intrinsic need to tell. Reflecting further on King David's words written in the Psalms, Lewis also makes this discovery. He says this, 
It is not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete till it is expressed. It is frustrating to have discovered a new author and not be able to tell anyone how good he is. To come suddenly at the turn of the road upon some mountain valley of unexpected grandeur and then have to keep silent because the people with you care for it no more than for a tin can in the ditch. To hear a good joke and find no one to share it with. See, our hope and joy, they aren't complete until we are able to share it with someone else. I mean, did you think that the excitement over an experience, the excitement over something that just captures your awe and wonder, and your desire, your need to share it, um, to share it with someone, do you think that that only came about with the advent of social media? Is that a new thing for the human existence? No. Like, like our Heavenly Father designed you and me that way, to find all in Him and have this intrinsic desire to share it. Now, perhaps your hope doesn't feel complete right now because all you see is despair while you're being blinded by that mountain valley right in front of you. And I get that because I've been there too. And there's a couple of ways in this season right now, I'm in that place right there with you. Maybe you haven't paused to, to take in the majesty and the beauty of the work of God and simply just sit in awe of it. When's the last time you've done that? And maybe, maybe for you, you see it. Like you, you see the awe inspiring things in front of you, but you're just kind of numb to it. Like you see it and you immediately go on looking for the next thing that will wow you, a little bit bigger thing and a, and a better thing. And perhaps hope doesn't seem real right now for you because though you've experienced a movement of God in your life, you don't tell anyone. And, and maybe you don't tell anyone because maybe you try to even explain away your own experience. You, you don't feel like maybe you could answer their questions if you did tell. And, and it goes maybe against another message that you're clamoring for, something that you want to put your hope in instead. So Luke tells us, the skies tore open that night and an angel army filled the expanse with the news that had waited in heaven for generations of human existence. The right time had come for the Messiah. God himself would come to earth to live as a human and offer his own perfect life as ransom for our lives trapped in sin. And the truth is, um, guys, it wasn't only lives that were trapped in sin, but, but, but sometimes we're trapped with a desire to pray something, like a desire to tell someone of something good. But outside of a relationship with Jesus, do you know what we settle for? It's something we all settle for. We just end up praising ourselves. Or we praise the things that God created instead of the creator himself. And it's no wonder that many of us are waiting for hope to start because we're looking for it in places that were never intended to bring us awe. So 
Look at what happens next in the story, Luke chapter 2, verse 16. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. And then in verse 17, after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. And then into verse 20, and then the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Good news is news worth sharing. Good news is news worth sharing. This was such big news of hope. Like these guys couldn't help to tell it. They had experienced a moment of awe and they couldn't help but share. And have you ever tried sharing hope with people? Listen, uh, adults, teenagers, your friends and your coworkers and your neighbors, they don't need more people in their lives who look and think and act like them. They have plenty of those people. They have plenty of people in their lives who put their hope in relationships and sex and, and fitting in with certain crowds and, and, and jobs and money and status and things. Like they know plenty of people that have that kind of hope and they know how empty it truly is. No, your friends and your coworkers and your neighbors, they don't need Christians in their lives who know the hope that leads to real life, who keep it to themselves. Man, people, our city, your families, what they need is people who are just weird enough to draw them towards something different. They need someone to show them the mountain valley and, and show them the awe and the wonder of God because good news is news worth sharing. Good news is news worth sharing. There is awe and wonder at the mystery as to why this powerful being cares so much for you. I don't understand it. And we have been rescued from sin and, and shame and guilt and, and pain that you, that you and I didn't even know was coming. Uh, we've been rescued from obsession with ourself and purposelessness and identity crisis. We've been rescued from a desire to celebrate wonder and mystery and yet not ever being able to consummate it and express it. You and I were near death, no hope, lost in our circumstances, but Jesus offers us new life, his life. And I don't know why he loves us so much. I don't know why he cares for you and me so much, but those who came before you and me, they tell us that he does. They doubted too, and, and they hurt, and they wondered, but they experienced him. And then Jesus came to tell us the same thing and prove to us that God loved us, and he did it by going to the cross and dying for us. So here's what I'm going to challenge you to do this week. You need to find something that reminds you of the wonder and awe of God. You need to just find, find a picture of a vacation, go outside, go for a hike, go for a drive, find something breathtaking that fills your mind and your spirit with the mystery of God. Do that this week. 
For some of you, it then will, will trigger that you're going to have to surrender your life to Jesus. You're going to have to put your faith in Jesus and you're going to want to be baptized into him because you're going to want to experience the new and fuller and richer version of life that you don't have now. And if that's you, you need to make that decision today. For others, you need to share the hope of Jesus with someone. Someone in your life, I encourage you to invite them to start to attend one of our Christmas Eve services with you, either in person or online. But share it with them. Church, don't put this off. Hope isn't for later. Hope starts right here.